You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. A couple weeks ago, we began a new series entitled Ruth, Finding God in the Ordinary. And uh, the previous two sermons that we talked about in the series were when it's time, when it's time to let go. And then last week, we talked about when pain tries to define you. Today, I want to talk to you about when the future meets the present. When the future promise that is coming meets the present reality where you are right now. And many times you don't even know that it's taking place. So to bring you up to speed on what's happening so far, we've been in chapter one. Today we're going to be in chapter two. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ruth chapter two. We've been in chapter one where Ruth is from a country called Moab. And there is a family who's led by a man named Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, they move to Moab because there's a famine in Bethlehem. And while they're in Moab, their two sons marry two, da- uh, two women who become their daughters-in-law, and one of them, named Ruth, um, stays with her mother through all the difficulties and crisis that they're going to face because Naomi is going to lose both her husband and her two sons to death, and Ruth will lose her husband. And so what happens is they find themselves coming back to Bethlehem. They arrive in Bethlehem. The people greet them, and they're so excited to see them. And where we left off was Naomi saying to them, don't call me by my regular name. Don't call me Naomi Pleasant. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. The Lord has just dealt bitterly with me. And if you remember last week, one of the main things I wanted you to see was no one, absolutely no one, called her by that name. They all remembered the beautiful plan God had for her life. So today, I want to talk to you about when the future meets the present. So just hold your place there. We're going to get to that in just a moment. I want to pray over our time together. Father, I thank you right now for the word. I thank you for the word of God we're going to explore. I thank you for the book of Ruth that you chose to give to us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us through your word. I know what the words you've given me to say as they go forth. I want our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and amen. There was a young woman that um, was married. She had her whole life in front of her and tragedy struck. Her husband was killed in an automobile accident. She was devastated. Didn't know what she was going to do. All the life that she had mapped out before her was now gone, and she didn't know what was next. She found herself in the position of being a widow at the age of 25. At the same time, she had been running from God and didn't have the relationship with God. And so some friends of hers began to share with her about Jesus, inviting her to church. And she made a decision to follow Christ in that moment. And she gave her life to Christ. She gave her future to Christ. And while giving her future to Christ, she said, I prayed that God would send me a godly husband that would have the same passion to pursue God that she had. She said, I prayed so ridiculous of a prayer. I said, God, I don't even want to go through dating. She said, here's what I want you to do. She said, I want you to send that man to my front door. (laughs) She's in pain. She's lost. She don't know where to turn. She is devastated. 
She doesn't know what her future has for her. And she has no idea that the life God is going to give her is greater than she could ever imagine. Many of you personally know this woman. Now, her story sounds a little bit like the book of Ruth, but I'm not talking in ancient times. I'm talking about someone many of you know right now. To some degree, she's like Ruth in that she is totally dependent upon God for both her present and her future. When the future meets the present, many times we don't even recognize it. When the pain of our present meets the promise of our future, many times it happens in such ways where there's, there's no angelic hosts that sing out. There's no light from the heavens that pours down and shines down in that moment to make you realize it. It just happens. And you don't realize it until later. Ruth is with Naomi. She is being loyal to Naomi. And she follows Naomi back to Naomi's home where Naomi says, this is where God lives. Ruth has never experienced God, but she follows her back. And in doing so, she comes face to face with the future and the promise that God has in store for her. And chapter two is when they arrive back and when her future meets her present. Three things I want you to see this morning as we look at that. First of all is this, God's providence, which means God's plan often looks like luck in ordinary life. It oftentimes, looks like, it's like, oh, how fortunate, how lucky. First four verses I want to read to you out of chapter two. Here's what it says. I want to remind you what chapter one, the very last verse says. It said that Naomi and Ruth arrived back in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley season. Now, how many of you listen to people tell stories and they give you so many details that you don't want to know about? Like, you're just like, give me what matters. And they're just giving you all these details. And you're like, seriously, give me what matters. If you're reading at the end of chapter one and you say, and they arrived back in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley season, you think, at the beginning of the barley season? Okay. Like, why did you throw that in there? It just so happened that they arrived at the beginning of barley season. Now, Start in chapter 2, verse 1. Now, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do so. And Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So what she's saying is this. God wrote in the law that if you owned a field, you could go through and harvest your field, but you were to not go back and harvest it twice. You weren't to go back and look for anything you missed. You were to leave the edges and the corners intentionally so that the poor and the destitute could come in and they would be able, you were not to forbid them to come on your land. You were to allow them so God would, through you, take care of other people as well. And so what she's asking is this, I'm going to go because we are poor and destitute, because we've lost everything and we've come back, I'm going to go and I'm going to find a, a field to go in and I'm going to pick some grain so that we can survive. 
day-to-day, hand-to-mouth. Verse 3, so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. And while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you. And the harvesters replied, the Lord bless you. So here's what I want you to see. That sounds like just general information, like just narration. Oh, they're just telling a story. Here's what I want you to see. It just so happens that they arrive right about barley season. If you're reading this, you might think, wow, that's, that's kind of lucky. Well, that's kind of fortunate. What the writer is writing it in such a way to let us know that this is not blind luck. This is not just good fortune. This didn't just happen because Ruth was lucky in that moment. No, no notice what it says. Verse 1 says, Now there was a wealthy and influential man named Boaz. So it's like he said, it just so happened that there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz. Verse 2, one day Ruth said, let me go collect grain. So it just so happened that Ruth decides she's going to go and collect grain. Verse 3, and it as it happened is what it says. So it just so happened that Ruth found herself working in the fields of Boaz. And verse 4 says, while she was there, it just so happened that while she was there, Boaz arrived in the field. Can I just tell you something? You read the story, Boaz shows up twice at the very beginning and at the very end of the harvest season. It just so happened that they came back home and made the decision and arrived just at the beginning of barley season. It just so happened that Ruth decided we need to go out and get some food. It just so happened that she found herself in the fields of Boaz, and it just so happened that Boaz shows up on the two occasions that he will come. It just so happens that he shows up on the very first day that Ruth shows up. This is not blind luck, and the writer is saying, pay attention God is up to something. So many times we think in the singular moments that they're either unimportant or that we're just lucky in those moments. I'm going to give you a few details, just a few details about what God has done over the last 20 years, 20 plus years in my life. And I just, I want you to listen to it for just a moment. And I want you to understand I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to tell you it's just pure luck, okay? All right? Just so happened. 1995, I was still working in the business world before I got called into ministry, and I just so happened to be in Tallahassee and just so happened to get transferred to Birmingham, Alabama for four months. I'd relocated for four months, like literally moved. It wasn't a temporary assignment at the time. It was a permanent relocation. And then I got permanently relocated back for a promotion back to Tallahassee. I just so happened to move to Birmingham, Alabama for four months in the summer of 1985. I just so happened to find a church and start attending a church called Metropolitan Church. I just so happened to join the music ministry that was led by a man named Randy Sheeks. After I was called into ministry in 1998, and I began to pastor in 2001, I just so happened to have a recommendation by someone else that I need to go meet with a man named Raymond Culpepper who happened to be the pastor of the church that I just so happened to attend back in 1995. After I talked to him about church growth and how to lead, I asked him to recommend someone else for me to meet with next. And he said he just so happened to recommend a man named Paul Walker. 
who was in Cleveland, Tennessee, serving our denomination. After I met with Dr. Walker, he just so happened to mention that I really need to meet his son, Mark. And he said, you guys would hit it off. You've got so much in common. So I made a meeting. And when I met with Mark Walker back in 2005, after having to reschedule, I was supposed to meet with him one week, had something come up, had to reschedule for the next week. When I got there, Mark told me I just so happened to arrive there because he just so happened that the week prior to that, there was one of his staff members that was serving as missions pastor that had told him the week prior that he was leaving to go plant a church in Nashville. And he asked me to come here and become the missions pastor here. After coming here, I just so happened to meet a man, a young man, who was serving as a youth pastor at the church I started at as youth pastor. I just so happened to meet him. His name was Jeremy Isaacs. When we had a high school pastor position open here, I just so happened to remember Jeremy's name, but I had only met him one time, and for some reason, his name came back, in, back into my memory. Jeremy just so happened to be ready to go in to come to Atlanta and serve here. So if you want to know who that is, Jeremy, um, if some of you have come in the recent years, Jeremy Isaacs was one of our pastors here on staff. We planted a campus in Canton, Georgia. He planted that campus, and a few years ago, it became its own freestanding church. They're doing great, called Generations Church in Canton, um, Georgia. So as he's here, I just so happened to meet his father, a man named Bill Isaacs, through Jeremy, and we started talking about church growth and leadership, and he was serving our denomination as an administrative bishop and overseer in Louisiana. Almost six years after I arrived here, when I felt it was time to pastor again, I just so happened to get a call by a man named Bill Isaacs, who was then serving as an administrative bishop in the state of Ohio, asking me to come and pastor in Ohio. While I was in Ohio, it just so happened that the church in Birmingham that I attended 20 years prior to that, while I was still in the business world, needed a pastor, and the founding pastor, a man named Raymond Culpepper, was conducting the search because he was the administrative bishop over Alabama at the time. Randy Sheeks, some of you who may know who that is, served as a music pastor here on staff for many years, now at Lee University, who had served that church for 16 years prior to coming to North, happened to be at that church one of the weekends in December where Raymond was preaching there and they were about to try to make a decision on who to become pastor and they were struggling as to what to do. It just so happened that Randy said, have you ever met this guy named Kirk Walters? It just so happened that Raymond said, I'll put it on hold and give him a call. He calls me. I go there. I speak with the elder board. It just so happened that on the elder board serving there was a man whose father was preaching the sermon on the night I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. <laughs> After being away, so I go there and I served there. I served there for four and a half years. After being gone from north for, all, for six years, it just so happened that Mark Walker was feeling led and called to go to Lee University to serve in administration there. It just so happened that a few years prior to that, sitting in this room for a service, visiting one Sunday in that area right over there, that God spoke to my heart and said, one day you're going to come back here and be the pastor of this church. It just so happened that the first time I met Mark Walker in 2005, he told me 12 years later that God spoke to his heart when I left that meeting and said, you just met the next pastor of Mount Perrin North. That's a, 
man, isn't that lucky? I mean, what good fortune, what blind luck. If I told you it was all luck, you would say, are you kidding me? Can't you see the hand of God written here? This is the way the writer is writing this story to say it just so happened. They arrived at the barley season. That means nothing to us when we read it at first. And it just so happened there was a man who was influential and wealthy and also a close relative of theirs, of the the man of her husband that she lost. He's a close relative of theirs. It just so happened that he was there. It just so happened that she needed to pick grain in order for them to survive. It just so happened that she wound up picking grain in his field. She didn't know whose field she was in. And it just so happened that he shows up on that day. And before you ever say, What good luck, the writer is saying. Can you not see the hand of God moving in these moments? It's hard to see when you're in the singular moment that God is crafting and navigating things in your present for your future. You have no idea the, quote, chance encounters you've had or introductions that you've had or meaningful moments that you've had that you've written off as one-offs. Thank you, God, that was was special. That might be the key and the catalyst to your future. But God does. And God's providential plan sometimes looks like luck in the moment. But God is weaving and navigating, and he is putting together a beautiful plan that you cannot even comprehend at the moment. God's plan, his providence, often looks like luck in ordinary life. The second thing is this. Following God's plan sometimes seems ordinary, and let's be honest, boring. It just sometimes seems boring. There's about to be a miraculous thing that's going to take place in this story. Let me read to you what happens next. You think, as you read those first four verses, oh, he's getting our attention. Something's about to happen. The heavens are going to split. Angels are going to sing. Something is going to happen right now. Let me read to you what happens. Verse 5, Boaz asked his foreman, who's that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain with the harvest, behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. So Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us and while you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they're harvesting and follow them. I've warned the young men, don't treat you roughly. And when you're thirsty, help yourself to the water they've drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet, thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She said, I'm only a foreigner. He says, yes, I know, but I also know everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. There's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no angelic host. There's no glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. There's nothing. There's no voice from heaven booming down going, this is it, Naomi. 
This is it, Ruth. This is it, Boaz. Nothing. The exchange was, who are you? She tells him who she is. He says, oh, I know who you are. And he knows the kindness that she's shown to Naomi. So he says, stay here with the people that I employ. Go right behind them. I'll make sure that no one harasses you and you take place. Don't go anywhere else. It's not safe out there necessarily. But because you've shown kindness to Naomi, I want to show kindness to you. She says, thank you. He says, the Lord bless you. That's it. Nothing seemingly miraculous. Ruth meets Boaz. Boaz shows her kindness. She works diligently, shows appreciation. This is not a plot for a Hallmark movie. I mean, I know we read Ruth and see a love story, and it is a love story, but this is so much deeper than that. This is a providential plan of God working in the background. We cannot even see it. There's not even, this is not even a great spark between two people. I mean, the writer is not here to tell us, and they locked eyes for 20 seconds. <laughs> Mesmerized, got lost. He got tongue-tied. She tripped and fell while walking off because she was so enamored by her. There's nothing. This is a foreign widow working in the fields for scraps. A poor person's share. And the owner of the field saying, stay here, we'll take care of you. This is not love at first sight. No sweet musical score in the background. No giddy looks. This looks completely ordinary. And yet something miraculous is taking shape. This is what I need you to see. So many times we pray for God to do something right now and we pray for him to do it in such a way that it's so apparent for us that we can't miss it. We don't like ordinary. We don't like boring. We want God to do something demonstrative, right? I mean, nobody prays. God, send the financial miracle my way and don't let me know what's going to happen. Just never tell me about it. We don't pray, God, heal me and don't let me know it. We want to know right then, right there. We, we want something demonstrative. When it comes to the, your, his will in your life and your destiny in your life, so many people, and God has greatness in your life. I believe that for every person in this room, God has great things. Now, some things will be out in the spotlight. Some things will be in humility and servant. But there are great things kingdom-wise that God has for your life. And you don't get to choose those. He gets to choose those for us. But when it comes to destiny, so many people want to see their name written in lights. When God's plan is to write his name deep in your heart so that he can prepare you for that destiny that he's called you to. And sometimes God's plan looks very, very ordinary and sometimes even feels boring. But there's something miraculous that's taking place. The third thing I need you to see is this. God's plan often takes longer than we want. Right? It takes longer than we want. We want right here, right now. Right? We live in a microwave society and God works in a crockpot world. I'm not sure if that's profound or I'm hungry, but there we have it. Listen, instantaneous 
is ramen noodles. Okay? I've never heard anybody go, man, I can't wait for those ramen noodles. But I've heard a lot of people go, I can't wait for that roast to get finished in the slow cooker. What we want is instantaneous. What God is trying to do is something so much greater than that. Verse 17 says this, So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and then she beat out the grain that evening, and it filled an entire basket. So she carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. And Ruth also gave the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with was, today was the man named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He has shown his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. This man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. It's called a kinsman redeemer. I've told you, I'm going to tell you about that. That's next week. Okay? I'm explain the whole process of that. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz told me, even come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is complete. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he says, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields, gathered grain with them until the end of the barley season. And then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. So when we read the book of Ruth, we read it a lot of times like a love story, like an instantaneous hallmark love story. We read it as they come there, she meets Boaz. A couple of days later, Boaz comes to her. They have this meeting that we'll talk about next week, and Boaz agrees, I will marry you and redeem you, and I will take in your mother-in-law as well. I'll take care of you, all of this. We see that in a couple of days process. It's important to know they arrive at the beginning of barley season, which is somewhere around the beginning to the middle of April, she works through the barley season and through the wheat season, which means she's working somewhere through the middle of June, maybe even towards the end of June. Somewhere between 8 and 12 weeks, Ruth is in the field getting the share, gathering grain of the poor and the destitute. Boaz shows up at the very beginning where he meets her. He shows up at the very end where he is going to celebrate the end of the wheat season. There's no great, there's no great romantic courtship that takes place. If you miss this, you think there's a sudden meeting between Ruth and Boaz and it suddenly changes everything. It does change everything, but it's not suddenly. Eight weeks maybe even 12 weeks of hard, laborious work in the heat of summer, Ruth wondering how God is going to take care of them and prepare their future while taking care of their today. We want God to move quickly because we feel the urgency and the importance of our need. But God is moving meticulously because of the importance of his will he wants to bring about in your life. Whether you know it or not, so many of you are praying through situations and circumstances, asking God to move quickly. But you can't see that God is lining things up behind the scenes in order to bring something greater in your life 
then what would happen if he answered it in the way you wanted him to right here, right now? <laughs> the woman I told you about, who was widowed today to 25 and prayed to God that he would allow her to have a godly husband for the rest of her life. Prayed to God that she wouldn't have to go back into the dating arena. God would just crazily bring somebody to her doorstep. She accepts Christ as her savior. She begins to grow in Christ. And her church was working with an evangelism group that would come through occasionally and they would agree to house them somewhere. And so she gets a call at the last minute because the person that was supposed to go pick them up and take them to their house couldn't make it. So they called her and said, can you go get this group for us? She goes and picks the group up, takes them to the house they're scheduled to stay in, and it is an absolute disaster of a house. Like, you don't want animals staying in there. And they're like, what, what are we going to do? Is there a hotel? What are we going to do? And so finally, after discussion, she finally said, all right, let me check with my roommates, but maybe y'all can crash on the floor. There's four or five people in this small group. They're going to leave the next day, go do their evangelism, go to the next town. It just so happened there's a young man in that group that has been looking for a godly wife. And after talking with her just over normal stuff, begins to pursue her afterwards. Literally, God brought him to her doorstep. And they get married. And you know this woman. And you know her husband. You see them every August. Can you put their picture up, please? They are our missionaries to Romania. Marine and Atena Bloch, with their two beautiful girls, Sophia and Alanis. God brought them together, not just for her relationship, but his plan was so much greater for both of them. Today, in Tigamores, Romania, they celebrate 22 years of new generation church being planted in Romania. Four campuses, the first multi-site church in Romania. She had no idea that when the greatest pain and tragedy hit her life, that God was working things behind the scene to not only accomplish something that would bless her life, but would be so much greater than that. Ruth is laboring in the fields, wondering, is God going to be faithful? And God is lining things up with a man named Boaz that she will eventually marry. And their descendants, she has no idea. She'll never know this at any point during her lifetime. She has no idea. From their marriage, their descendants will come two kings, David and Solomon. The golden era of Israel's history. She has no idea. She has no idea that ultimately, thousands of years later, God will choose that marriage, that situation, to allow his son Jesus to be born into this world. She has no idea. 
All she knows is she's going through the motions and the routine of what God is placing in front of her at that moment. She can't see it, but God had to bring her to the right place at the right time to meet the right person in the right setting in order for God to accomplish his perfect will in her life. And if God seems slow to you, it's probably because he's working out details to bring purpose and promise out of your pain. And you can't see it right now. It's amazing that when God got ready to send his son, Galatians 4, 4 says, and when the time had fully come, when God got everything ready, he sent forth his son, born of a woman. It's why Paul writes to us in Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know, not we think, not we just read. We know through the word of God. We know through experience. We know that God works all things to the good of those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. We know. And when the future meets your present, you may be unaware, but God is completely in control. And for some of you, you need to today take whatever that pain, whatever that circumstance, whatever you've been praying to God about, and say, I give it to you. Because I know if you answer it in a way I want you to answer it right here, right now, it's probably not going to be as good as the way you're working it out for my good. And you need to trust him. What we've sang about all morning, what we've prayed about, is trust. Based on experience, based on his word, based upon the fact, as Pastor Brett said, we are literally living in the year of God's favor. Trust that his favor will guide you. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? The most important place God's favor is ever going to guide you is into a right relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost. And before God ever wants to change your circumstances, he wants to change your relationship with him. And if you're in this place this morning and you know when you came in here, things weren't right between you and the Lord, I'm going to ask you to just pray a prayer, something like this. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the son of God. I acknowledge that you are the one who gave his life for my sins. You're the one who paid the price so that I might not have to be punished for my sins, but that I might be at peace with God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and the way that I have lived in the past. I surrender my whole life to you right now. I will live according to your word and according to your spirit, and I will never be the same. I want everyone in the room, just pray this prayer of profession. When we say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, no one in the room looking around except the ministry team and me. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to call you out. But if that's you, and you came in this room this morning, you know things weren't right between you and the Lord, but you're making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. You say, pray for me this week, Pastor. If that's you, would you be bold enough just to raise your hand really high and keep it up just for a moment, please? Amen. Just a moment. Thank you. Amen. Just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. 
Okay, you can put them down. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I've been going through something for so long, I'm wondering where God is. And I need the faith to believe that he is meticulously working things out for my good and his glory. And I need strength to be patient and strength to endure until he works it out in his time and his way. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really high so I can pray for you this week? Oh my goodness, you're not alone at all. Goodness. Yep. Yep. All right, you can put your hands down. Father, I thank you right now for the redemption that is offered through Jesus Christ for those who accepted that redeeming sacrifice. I thank you for changed lives, for changed hearts. I thank you that that change is not just a one-time thing, but you are literally guiding us every step of the way. I thank you today that those that raised their hands in this room and said, I need to know that the Lord is at work. I need to trust that the Lord is at work. I need to believe that his plan is greater than I can ever imagine and trust that his timing and his process is going to bring things into my life that changes everything. Father, for those that lifted their hands, I pray that that grace would rest upon them and that favor would rest upon them so that you can accomplish in their lives something that they never dreamed possible. May it be so. May it be for your glory. And may your grace be abundant. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Can you celebrate with me today four people that gave their hearts to Jesus Christ? Come on. Amen. Listen, if you made that decision today or in the past few weeks, we'd love to help you get started on this walk with Jesus. Some of our grow team members will be down here at the front when service is over. Please just give us two minutes of your time. We'd love to help you get started in that walk with Jesus. Also, if you would like to know more about Mount Perrin North, getting involved, getting plugged in, uh, would love for you to do that. In the seat back in front of you, there's a card in one of those seats, um, a Connect card. Just fill that out. You can drop it off at uh, one of the giving boxes, or you can go see us at the Connection uh, Station right outside in the atrium and see Pastor Drew. Um, we'd love to help you get more information about finding your spiritual gifts, finding your passion, and finding a place. Maybe you have a life group and some um, community and accountability as well. Every week, I or someone, someone else gets the privilege to bless you. Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26 says that when you speak this pastoral priestly blessing, that you literally place the name of God on people. And so that's why we do it. There's nothing, it's not an incantation. It is literally following what the scripture says and allowing the name of God just to rest on you. See, just open your hands like this, allowing the spirit of God just to rest on you. And allow me to be the conduit of what God says is his blessing over your life. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.